Well, of course, this was the fa the main part of day two in Mount Monganui. There's, there's the tag. He's got it. He's got it. you got to run. you got to run too. Should get two. Yes, easy too. Tom Blundell. He is such a good contributor for this New Zealand side. Indeed he was yesterday with uh, that century for New Zealand and pulling them right back into this test match as we head into uh, day three today. Two o'clock start in Mount Maunganui uh, with England at the crease and looking to build their lead as they go through day three. Joining us now, former Black Cap, Wigakua batsman himself, Peter McGlashan. Afternoon, Peter. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Odd to be talking about cricket this time. I know you've had a busy week. You're on the Auckland uh, local boards. You're born in Napier, but uh, appreciate you joining us. Hope everything's all right. Yeah, we're right up here in Auckland. Got uh, some family who've managed to keep the heads above water and stay dry, but um, a massive clean-up ahead, obviously, for Hawke's Bay and one of those things which, um, yeah, it's a time and a place, much like the 1931 earthquake, which will define the area for a long, long time. It certainly will. Look, England 79 for two in their second dig, leading by 98 runs, but the star, as I mentioned before, Tom Blundell uh, on day two, scoring his fourth test century, uh, making his way through to 138 before he was dismissed, caught and bowled to end the innings. That was quite some innings from Tom Blundell. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, it sure was. And I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to think that we had someone in BJ Watling for so long who did exactly what Tom was doing. And, I, you know, it felt unfair to ask Tom to open the batting in that period uh, when we were looking for openers. But really, he's showing the, the quality uh, of as a genuine all-rounder, a, a player who can um, keep and, and but also go out and score valuable runs. Uh, if it wasn't for that partnership, uh, you know, those... Two or three players getting in double figures, it would have been a completely different story, but this match really is on a knife edge. You mentioned BJ Watling. He's, he's that kind of player that he is becoming very, very reliable in that number six spot, isn't he? With the Black Caps in trouble, I think he came in when it was 88 for five or, or thereabouts, 88 for four, and manages to get them out of trouble again, which was a hallmark of BJ Watling's test career. Yeah, Tom just seems like someone who's willing to do the hard work. Uh, he's he's very level-headed. He seems like a player who assesses the situation well. He's got the ability to to, to um, pivot and, and be more aggressive when he needs to. I think we saw that in his innings, and he mentions it in some of the press about how he did get to a point where he felt, well, actually, you know, maybe now is the time to be a bit more aggressive, and it paid off for him. And BJ was one of those players as well, uh, more through his hustle and bustle and running between the wickets, who recognised situations and um, and was a level head uh, under trying conditions. The average is 45 in Test cricket. Uh, BJ Watling uh, had, I think, an average of 37 by the time all, all, all was said and done. Is he sort of perhaps at the point now, Tom Blunder, where he's the best wicketkeeper batsman? in test cricket around the world? Is that too much of a leap to say? Uh, uh, I think that's a bit early in his career <laughs> to do that. I mean, I, I definitely the batting side has gone exceptionally well for him. And I think, um, you know, BJ was asked to open the batting for New Zealand as well at times. And, and those things do have an effect on your batting average. I think Tom's probably, you know, got a little bit of work in his wicketkeeping to, to be up in that class. I think it's the modern wicketkeeper is often judged by how, how many runs they score rather than how they go well for the club. So, um, you know, players like folks in there are quality wicketkeepers as well. So it's a, it's a good, I guess, spread across the globe as to um, players similar to him, but he's doing everything he can any time he gets asked to perform. Is he batting too low at six, or is he kind of the perfect player for that role uh, in, in that middle order, as we've discussed, that he can come in and get the side out of, uh, out of trouble if need be? Yeah, I don't think you want him any higher. I think if you do have him higher, 
uh, it does put pressure on that kind of recovery process after wicketkeeping. You know, England aren't batting for very long, uh, but if they were in a situation where England had kind of batted for a day and a half and then the top order fails like they did, um, if he was any higher than six, he'd be back in um, pretty darn quickly, and, and that's pretty tough on a wicketkeeper batsman. Um, so I think he's he's well placed where he is. He does have that ability to bat up and down. Bracewell's another player who's opened the batting in first class cricket. So they've got mm. a few players around him who have experience in the top order, and that comes in really really handy if things don't go well for the for the guys at the top. Just uh, I'm Tom Blundell, as a former wicketkeeper yourself, in terms of his technique uh, as a Test wicketkeeper, what what do you like about him? Oh, I think wicket keepers are um, techniques. Probably something that um, is a. It's it's not really a, a necessary thing to consider wicket keeping technique. It's more about um, execution. So if he's catching ninety nine balls out of a hundred and, and taking all those opportunities, it doesn't matter whether he's catching one hand, one hand behind his back. It's wicket keeping can be done in lots of different ways as long as you're catching the ball cleanly. So his footwork looks good. I think you know there's been a little bit of um, conversations about. Um, distancing to the slips and, and you know um, committing himself to balls which are maybe going to the slip cordon or not. That indecision often comes from I just guess the lack of match play and, and when the team is bouncing back and forth between different formats it's quite difficult to pick, build relationships with your slip cordon as to which ones you go for and which ones you don't. But the thing is with wicket keepers we're all different heights and sizes and we all have strengths and weaknesses so um, the most important thing is just purely judge them on, on how many balls they catch out of 100. Yeah, absolutely. Peter McGlashan with us, former New Zealand wicketkeeper. Peter, what do you make of the state of play in this test match? Uh, England with a lead of 98 heading into day three. They're 79 for two in their second innings. Couple of wickets for the Black Caps before um, Stumps was called last night. Uh, Tickner removing Duckett for 25 and, and Crawley uh, dismissed uh, Court Blundell uh, off the bowling of Kugeline for 28. Where do you think this test is sitting as we head into day three? Oh, it's very, very even, and I think you know that the tempo that England play under Brendan McCullum is, is so fast that um, it doesn't really leave much um, breathing room for for mistakes. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I, I'd like to think that um, if you had a ticket for day five, I'd be trying to trade it in for a <laughs> ticket for day three or four because this game at the tempo that it's going might not go the five days. England have you know obviously rolled the dice, um, declaring it three twenty five for nine, but you know uh, they. Sh- saw on the first night that there was merit in bowling uh, in the evening and it gives you a chance to pick up cheap wickets. So at the moment, um, you know, England uh, have their nose in front, um, but Black Caps have every opportunity if they pick up quick wickets this afternoon uh, to have England in a bit of trouble. Uh, it's just one of the things, the way that Brennan and Ben Stokes are playing this format, um, they'll win as many as they lose uh, by playing as aggressively as they are. Do you think that there might be almost be a carbon copy of day one, England to bat through and, and then have a crack at the, the Black Caps bowlers under lights and, and play some aggressive shots this afternoon? Potentially, although because it's the second innings, you don't have quite as much flexibility and mm. maybe not quite as much bravado. So um, uh, the second innings might be a case of, with, with so much time left in the game, a case of just trying to get as many as they can. Because even if they're nine down, if they get an extra 20 runs, you know that could be the difference between winning and losing. So they'll they'll play it by ear tonight, depending on how long it takes to them to get up to a decent score. Um, and they might just have to bite the bullet and say, well, actually, we will bat through the stumps tonight and um, and try and eke out a few tomorrow. It'll all depend on how many wickets they have in hand um, as they get towards that tea break later on today. What's your verdict on the the pink ball under lights? We've had what pink ball tests of 
six, seven years maybe now in international cricket. They haven't quite probably established themselves and they seem, you know, maybe won a series or won a summer for, for New Zealand. Do you like the, the day-night test format, Pete? I think it definitely has its merits, um, but the challenge is um, traditionalists versus um, uh, accountants, really. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the pink ball has attracted a new crowd. It's great for television. Uh, it's a wonderful spectacle if you go along and, and watch in the evenings. Uh, but the challenge is it's difficult to marry up the statistics versus historical performances. You can't really compare Bradman um, to what Ben Stokes is doing under lights at Mount Maunganui. So uh, it is a new time for the game. I think the question needs to be asked. That, you know, we had that farce um, in that last series where New Zealand went off early due to bad light. And yeah. yet we've got this pink ball, which, you know, supposedly is easier to see in dark conditions. And we don't just, you know, grab that out of the box and finish the game with a pink ball. So cricket is so fixed in its ways um, that we're not doing the best we can with the the resources we have. At the moment, um, you know, there's teams in the world like India that aren't that keen on playing pink ball cricket. So it is a bit of a um, dichotomy and a challenge for administrators. Uh, but, you know, when you get a good spectacle, um, it's a great product to sell to those who maybe haven't been interested in the past. Peter McLashan with us. Just a couple of final ones, Peter, if I can, before I let you go. You played under Brendan McCullough, played in the same one-day team as him. What do you make of this whole quote-unquote baseball approach that England's had? As you touched on before, they'll win some, they'll lose some. Is it is it the right method for Test cricket? Oh, I mean, it makes for um, wonderful entertainment. And, you know, again, the accountants will be enjoying that. Um, the traditionalists, maybe not. Uh, it's the way Brennan's always lived his life. Uh, you know, he matured a lot towards the end of his Black Cats career and was probably a little bit less gung-ho towards the end than he was early on. He worked out what the appropriate level of aggression was. And it's been fascinating to watch him become a coach. We all assumed that he would be a T20 coach uh, and that he would capitalise on his IPL status. Um, but to see him as the test uh, coach for England um, and, and do what he has is remarkable. Um, but he's always been a remarkable player, regardless which format he's been in. So he's kind of rewriting the rule book, and um, we can't really judge him on success or failure until he's finished this chapter of his life. A similar question, and maybe it is too early to judge for, for someone like Tim Southey, but he was thrust into the test captaincy once Kane Williamson stood down for that tour of Pakistan. This is um, now the first home test that he's captained, at least on a full-time basis. What do you make of what his style might be as it continues to develop? Well, I think um, Tim's had the good fortune of, of being in the Black Cats for so long. He, you know, he got into first-class cricket as a very, very young player, and he's played under so many different captains that um, he's got some wonderful examples to look up to. Uh, you know, neither Kane or, or Tim ever captain Northern Districts, so it's fascinating that they both managed to, to captain their country. But you know, Tim's uh, uh, he's had so much experience, so many games over the over the years, uh, and so many people that he can go to and ask advice that um, I don't think he's going to be a revolutionary captain, but he's going to be a very stable, um, reliable um, person for the rest of the team to reflect on because he's, uh, you know, he really is one of those players who's earned the right to um, have the year of, of any um, legend that's played in the past. So I think he's a steady hand until we prepare ourselves for, you know, who that next um, young up-and-coming captain may well be uh, in that next generation of player. Peter McLashan, thank you so much for your time with us here on News Talk ZB this afternoon. Really do appreciate it. Nice to chat. No problem.